I'm your host, Jennifer Huber, and I'm joined each week by our interim preaching pastor, Pastor Brad. Welcome. Thanks. It's good to be here. So let's talk about Sunday. Your title was We Belong Together. Mm -hmm. What did that all mean? Give us a recap of your sermon. Ooh, okay. It took me, it took me, I I thought for sure I was going to preach for like an hour with all the notes I had by the time it was all said and done. It it took me 45 minutes to get this out on Sunday. Uh, Let me try and walk back through it just a bit. Um, Yeah, break it down for us. Yeah, we were in 1 Corinthians 12, the the latter half of the chapter. We introed it last week and kind of introduced this whole idea of spiritual gifts. And then Paul really kind of lasers in on how does that spiritual gift reality work itself out in the diversity and unity of the body? Like, Mm -hmm. how is it that you can have a group of believers together that are so diverse but are also called to be unified under Christ's headship. And he uses this illustration of the body. Mm-hmm. He uses this idea of the different parts of the body, the eyes and the ears and the hands and the feet and the, and the head and all these different things operating within the church. Um, so the, the focus here was, was, I think, what he's trying to say is even though you're diverse, there is a unity and there is a belonging to all the parts. And so um, I, I use that idea to kind of convey the message forward and this idea that we all want to belong to something. Well, some people didn't feel like they belonged, and others felt like that other parts didn't belong in the Corinthian church. And so uh, he introduces the whole idea by reminding them that, like, all of them were introduced to the body. Their membership in the body was built on this relationship with Christ, this relationship to the head, and being given the Spirit. So this idea that that to belong to the body of Christ, it's not a social club, it's not not something you can just join, It it is a membership through salvation, through redemption. And so he reminds them that they've all been grafted into the body, they've all been given the Spirit, and we must recognize that unmerited membership if we're going to approach the body of Christ correctly. Hmm. This isn't ours. This isn't something we can control. This isn't a membership that we have earned. It's something that we've been given. It's something we've been made to participate in. And so then as a result of that, there are three things that I really outlined through the rest of the text that were like, okay, how do we grow in our sense of our awareness of that belonging? He says, fundamentally, it's true. You belong. So what does that mean? And we talked about three points. First of all, celebrating the God-given diversity of Christ's body, right? Because in every human organization in the world, we look around and be like, most of them are formed based upon what makes them the same. And in kind of a fundamental way, the church is put together based upon what makes it different, unified behind common creeds and belief in Christ and things like that. But there's a diversity there that God has built into the body that is necessary for the body to accomplish the mission that he's given her. Um, as the church, as the church of Jesus Christ. So then we need to celebrate that diversity, recognize the different gifts aren't just irritants, they're values to the church, sure. and we need all of them. Every part belongs, that sort of idea. In addition to that, we need to foster an indispensable affinity for Christ's body. It's not just that I see the utility of the other parts of the body, and they're valuable, and, I, and we kind of need them, but like I'm called to love and care for them. That, that phrase of like, when one part suffers, they all suffer. If one part is honored, they all rejoice together. That's the sort of affinity and affection we're called to in the church. And so we have to proactively foster this idea with, with people that we aren't necessarily going to intuitively get along with and aren't going to see things the same way. We have to intentionally work to love them. And that's what Paul is after there. And then lastly, then he gets back to the spiritual gifts idea. He started with that at the beginning of the chapter and he comes back to the spiritual gifts at the end of the chapter. And he says, if you're going to promote this belonging, you need to embrace your unique ministry to Christ's body as well. And so you have to value it. You have to celebrate. You have to foster a love for the other parts. But then you also have to minister to the other parts. You're, you as a part of the body, as a hand, as a foot, as an eye, as an ear, you need to do what hands, feet, eyes, and ears were created to do. Yeah. 
Like yeah. go and do yeah. your job. Do it not just for your own glorification, but sure. do it for the good of the body. Yeah. And then all body parts weren't make the same. That's why he goes in that list of spiritual gifts. He says like God has appointed these roles. He's given you these ministries. You're not all the same. But go and do it for the sake of the body. Go and do it for the glory of Christ. So embrace the ministry that God has called you to. And don't look down on other people because theirs isn't the same as yours. Yeah. One thing you kept making sure we understood was the headship, right? Mm. The head, the body doesn't even move without the head, right? Bingo. If, I think you even said decapitated. Like if we take the head off, the body doesn't even move. And so focusing back to Christ is the headship. But then I was encouraged by kind of what you just said was, I mean, well, you gave us kind of a silly analogy, but it was good. It was a good visual of if you were just one big eyeball up there, right? Right. You said, right. One, you would look kind of odd. Yeah. And two, you wouldn't even go anywhere. Yeah. You would just be useless. And yeah. so just highlighting each gift is unique and important, but also that we need each other yeah. in the body. So if my foot is broken, and I have broken my foot before, my yeah. ankle, and all the rest of my body parts, my hands, my foot, they had to do overtime Yeah. to help my broken foot get back to where it needed to be. So just that beautiful picture of when we do have that identifying, you know, I'm the hand, I'm the foot, and then coming alongside those in the body. Yeah, yeah. And I, and you see the picture that Paul is trying to paint here. Like he's trying to get them out of focusing so much on themselves mm-hmm. and try to get them to focusing on what Christ has done and, and what he's calling them to mm-hmm. corporately as a corporate body. And we as Americans get very focused on ourselves. We're like, it's yeah. all about me. And so mm-hmm. I think we resonate with the Corinthians in that respect, right? Like, right. what does the rest of the body, what they do affect me? How do how does what I do is valued by the rest of the body? Yeah. Well, the, the, what he's calling them to is really flipped of that. Like, mm-hmm. how do I contribute even if it never gets noticed? to what Mm -hmm. the body needs and how do I appreciate all the other parts that the body has and how do I submit to Christ's headship and all of it. It it really takes the focus off of us. It's not about Mm -hmm. us. It's about other people. It's about God's glory. It's about the mission of the church. It's about the rest of the people in the church and taking me outside of my comfort zone to accomplish what God has called us to. And you had a good exhortation on that. (laughs) Singles shouldn't just talk to singles. Married shouldn't just hang with married. And, you know, older generation avoids the younger. The younger, you encouraged us to not do that because there is so much that can happen when we when yeah. when the whole body is working together and speaking together. Yeah, there's if if you go back, I mean you can read like church planting gurus, right, from mm-hmm. different eras, but especially like from the 80s and 90s with the church, you know, mega church sort of movement. Yeah. One of the things that they always talk about is like you've got to identify your niche. Hmm. Kind of like a business does, right? Yeah. You got Okay, so you got a pastor in his 40s that has young children. Okay, so people in their 40s with young children are going to be drawn to you. So identify that niche, and that's how you plant a church, by going and calling all those like-minded people together and establishing it and making your values all about what's valuable to those people. And I'm like, that is not community. That is consumerism. Yeah. That is, I am going to purchase the thing I like best, and I'm going to stick with that. Because it's comfortable. That's that's right. It's it's extremely comfortable because everybody's like us and everybody looks like us. And we're not going to have debates about like, well, do we sing hymns or do we do worship songs? Well, okay, well, you're all the same age, so you're probably all in agreement on that. You know, I mean, not necessarily, but you understand what I mean. Like, so you appeal to your niche, and that's how you build a church. Mm -hmm. And I just, I can't help but be faced with the reality of what I see throughout the New Testament, but especially in the book of Corinthians, you know, here, where he's like, no, 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 the strength of the church is in its diversity. You know, he talked about that later on in the section where he's like, okay, verse verse 25, right? God has composed the body, given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Hmm. Like he's given this diversity to to, prov- 
to prevent that sort of division, that sort of divisiveness. And I think sometimes we look at the church world and we are so segmented up. Yeah. And 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 there are genuine reasons to have different churches. You know, there's there's theological disparities where sure. like we probably can't worship with you because uh, you you are baptizing your infants into the covenant community, and we believe in believers' baptism. That, that's a legitimate. Re- well, like we can't do both. We right. have to do one or the other. Right. We respect you. You respect us, but we're not on the same page. Okay. Then there are just preferential things. They're just like I wish everyone looked like me. You know, <laughs> I wish everybody would use social media more or use right. social media less in my right. church. But that's not it. And. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the church, the local church, as these manifestations, they're meant to reflect the eternal reality of the universal church, yeah. a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping God in heaven one day. Like, think about how counterintuitive or like almost backward it is for our local churches yeah. to deny the reality <laughs> of what the universal church is called to be. Yeah. Right? And, and so we get so consumed with our little cliques mm-hmm. because that's where we're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we, we fail to realize that part of the reason God has given the diversity in the body and gifting and the diversity in ethnicity and the diversity in um, gender, the diversity in uh, just like background. And yeah. I mean, all of that is yeah. given because we need each other. Yeah. Like we need to have different inputs. We need to rub off some of those rough edges. We need to realize it's not about just the way I see mm-hmm. things, um, but it's about what we have in common under Christ. Yeah. And we miss that if we become so homogenous in our small groups or in our mm-hmm. church or, or any, any sort of environment, yeah. we really miss the value of the diversity. Yeah. We've probably already touched on it, but we always say, you know, what's five more minutes of the sermon? What, what more would you have spoken to on this passage in Corinthians? Did we cover it or do you have five more minutes for us? <laughs> well, what's funny about a passage like this is as, as we wrapped up, right, what, what everybody really wants me to answer is, you know, Brad, are you a cessationist? Are you a continuationist? Or are you a charismatic? Yeah. You know, we I mean, just like, want to know. That's, that's it. What, that, we just, just want to like, know, Just Brad. tell me. You know, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give people a hint. Most of those <laughs> debates come up in chapter 13 and chapter 14. Yeah, you teased that a little bit. So and we're going to get there. Tuned. Paul's going to come back and say, okay, let me clarify. Yeah, exactly. Stay tuned. I, 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 we'll see how much I decide to let people in on, on, on where I'm at on it. But, like... That's what people ever want to know. But the, the, the truth is, in chapter 12, that's not really the focus yet. He's listing yeah. off. He's just saying, these are the gifts. Mm-hmm. And he's just putting that out there. Okay. And so I think to go there is probably not where I want to go yet. We'll go there in, in future episodes probably. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I do want to stress the realities of, of the church because I felt like I have to really skim over uh, these, these truths. He mentioned about the, f- the four truths about the body. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned that the body was multifaceted, mm-hmm. that it was a divinely arranged, that it was interdependent, and that it was unified. Mm-hmm. And those sections throughout the text, especially in that middle section of the text, 14 through 26, or 27, excuse me, are just are so critical for us to recognize because it's kind of like when we talk about when I when I do like premarital counseling with with a young couple and I'm like what you have to recognize is here's some assumptions and here's some yeah. expectations and all these things you're bringing into it. Yeah. Well, if we come into the church, if we approach the body of Christ like with the wrong expectations, with with not biblical expectations, but like this idea that I mean, just look at the opposites of this. Rather than being multifaceted, we'll go. Everybody should look like, act like, be like me. You know, if we approach it that way and we go, okay, it's not divinely arranged, but the humans are kind of organizing this whole thing and putting right. the pieces together. And, and I mean, that's a terrifying prospect. I listened, I listened to a pod or a, a sermon by Alistair Begg on this subject, and he just he, he waxed eloquent for a while on how ridiculous a body would look <laughs> yeah. if it was arranged by a committee. 
You know, yeah. like there'd be some people that thought the nose should go on top of the head and the ears should be in this place. They'd and, and be standing all... next to you with a big eyeball. Yeah, the yeah, like that sort of thing. And he's right. Like it's <laughs> yeah. true. Like if, if humans were arranging this body, yeah. we would have no reason to think that, that all the parts would fit and that it would make sense. But God is the one that's arranged this body, yeah. right? If you look at this whole interdependent thing, we tend to think in terms of like as humans, how, how autonomous can I be? Yeah. You know, like, how can I get to the point where I don't need anybody else? You know, I'm financially independent. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I don't need any, I don't need help. Like, we don't like counseling because it means we need somebody. We don't like to have to confess our sins to one another. Right. Like, these sort of realities become really hard for us. But, but the body is interdependent. And the body is also unified. And we tend to think that means the body is unified as far as they agree with me. Mm-hmm. But, like, no, no, that means we have to lay down some of what we want for the sake of others. That's how right. unity is achieved. And so I think... If, if people can wrap their minds around the fact that the universal church is this way, and Paul was speaking to the universal church, but, but he's speaking to a local congregation. And he's like, when you come into this body, when you, when you gather together as a church, when your body gathers together, recognize that by design, it's multifaceted. Yeah. There's, God has intended for there to be different types of people here. It is by design divinely arranged. God has fit these pieces. They have a reason to be here. God has brought them here. They're not just there to be a speed bump for you getting what you want done. They're there because God intends for them to be there. You are interdependent. Like if, if you just run over these people, you don't benefit from what God has brought them there to do in your life. Yeah. You need those people. And it doesn't matter how young or old. I mean, you know, the 85-year-old needs the 6-year-old in our church just as much as the 6-year-old needs the 85-year-old. Yeah. There's an interdependence in that. And then this it's like, like we are called to be unified. Ephesians 4, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Hmm. God has established this unity. The Spirit has given us this unity. We can wreck it, but it's not our unity. It's it's God's unity. We're united behind truth, and we're united behind what the Word says and the truths of the gospel. And if we come into the body with those sort of expectations, those sort of ideas, it changes our whole paradigm. We're like, this is the sort of thing I'm joining. Right. As opposed to I'm joining something that's all about me, which is every other human ex- organization, right? You know, Pretty like, much. like Pretty we much. want, we well, want to make sure. How can I get that, better at this? How can I fit yeah. into this team? Or yeah, and, and the church the is not a self-help thing. Yeah. We're not a self-help dispenser of spiritual wisdom. Like that's not what the church is called to be. The church is a people. It's a people with these realities that's been put together with God's intentionality, and we need to submit to that and expect that when we come mm-hmm. into it. So we're not or di- disillusioned by the fact that. Hey, I thought everybody here was going to be just like me. Yeah. Well, when we come into that, then we're disappointed when everybody's not just like us. And I hear, I'm imagining if you were to walk into church and you thought, by God's sovereignty, because that's the reality, by God's sovereignty, that person is sitting there worshiping today and that person and that person. And yeah. You may not have sought that person out outside of these four walls, yeah. but in God's sovereignty, they're here and they're part of this body. Yeah. And. And what instead of looking at it as an irritation, what what can I learn or how can we work together to glorify God and Christ? Yeah. And just like I mean, just to talk you know practically about some of these themes, like I, I love that idea of like imagine yourself walking into the church and you're like, okay, God has brought these people, and you're like, oh well, nobody greeted me. Right. Uh, okay. Well, is that about you or is that right. about you know how could I go right. out and reach out to somebody? Well. I couldn't sit in my normal spot. Somebody sat in my spot, so I had to sit over here. Well, right? what if that was by realities. God's design and there's right. somebody sitting down the row that's sitting all by themselves, mm-hmm. that he's arranged this in such a way that you're supposed mm-hmm. to go down and, and speak to them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. again, Ephesians talks about God preordaining these good yeah. works that were to walk in. Yeah. And if you walked in the church expecting that, yeah. you know, you're sitting there going, oh, man, Troy's doing that song I hate yeah. again. But that person across the aisle is 
absolutely engaged. In tears even, maybe. Exactly. How, yeah. does, how does that change the way we approach it if we're like, mm-hmm. I am here to, to love and to care for those people. Yeah. You know, and he's brought every one of them to this point to be a part of our church and to be a part of this membership. It, it totally radically changes the way. We, you know, we don't walk out of the service going, well, I don't know if Troy did a good job this week. And Brad really bombed it on the message. Right. I'm, and that's fair. Like right. some of those assessments. Right. But, but the point is like who, who could I edify today and yeah. who could I invest in today? Who yeah. could I love today? Who could I care for mm-hmm. today? And who did you uplift or encourage on your way out? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, whole, that's the whole thing. And then how can that ripple out throughout the week too? You know, like I heard that and I know that this person is struggling. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I could have a conversation. Yeah. You know, or again, heaven forbid, right? Like I didn't like that song, but the older lady across the aisle did. I wonder if I could have a conversation with her about, like, why was that song so impactful to you? What could I learn from you? Mm -hmm. Rather than being so frustrated by the fact that, oh, Troy just does songs that only she likes. Right. You know, that sort of a mindset. Well, you've kind of already we're re- we're doing really good at jumping into our next topic. So <laughs> yeah, First the, Corinthians is like that. You know, yeah, it does a pretty good job. It does. It really hits us. So in light of that, the Corinthian church that Paul is writing to. Faith Bible Church today, we've kind of talked a little bit like that picture, right? That if we walk into church and we we know God is sovereign and this is these are these divine appointments, if you will. Mm-hmm. How does that apply? How does First Corinthians twelve apply to us today as believers and specifically to us at Faith Bible Church? Mm-hmm. Well, again, assuming of the first point is that idea of recognizing unmerited membership, like mm-hmm. assuming that you've embraced the truth of the gospel, and you've placed your personal salvation in Christ, and you are a member of Christ church, you're a member of this body, then that means your job is to foster these truths, you know, to foster an affinity and a, a celebration of diversity and the ministry that God has called you to. I, I find practically the most helpful things throughout Scripture of these things are the direct commands, the one another's of Scripture. Yep. You know, and I've mentioned before that that's what kind of the small group ministry of Faith Bible Church was was built around. That's what we've designed it around. And I just I try to think through some of these things of like, how do we? I mean, just just practically speaking, love and serve each other. Like some of the commands that we read to try and do these sort of things are we're we're, we're commanded to wash each other's feet. Now we don't mean that literally. Obviously, that's a that's a metaphor for serving each other, yeah. right? The command to love one another in the New Testament comes up 14 times, wow. a sort of self-sacrificial, I'm going to do what's best for you, not what's best for me. Mm-hmm. We're called to care for each other. We're called to comfort each other. We're called to serve each other, to submit to each other, to do good to each other. So just like if you walk in and you're going, okay, what do I do today? Just take stock of some of those things. Like how do I edify someone? How do I encourage somebody? How do I help somebody else grow in their in their love for Christ and their walk with Christ? And if that's the question you're asking, the one another's of Scripture are incredibly helpful because it's just like just go do some of this stuff. You know, confess sins to one another, encourage each other, bear each other's burdens. There is a command mm-hmm. in the New Testament to all believers to greet each other. Yes. You know, and, and we're like, oh, well, that's not really a big deal. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, these sort of practical things are very, very straightforward. I mean, Again, putting yourself aside, that one hello could mean yeah. the world to somebody. Yeah. You, you never know. Like, you never. it's kind of like an encouragement. Like, you never know what positive effect yeah. issuing, like, I was just encouraged by this in you. And we forget those things. We mm-hmm. get we get so you know it was Bonhoeffer's quote that I mentioned at the end of the service. Yeah. We get we take the temperature of the body all the time. We're like, I just need to figure out what the issue is. Well, be a part of the medicine more than a part of the diagnostic. You know, it's not that there isn't a place for some of that stuff, but 
Like we're called to do and to influence where we can. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I, I read through these things and, you know, as far as being kind to each other and forgiving each other, it's it's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right. What can I do to help not to speak evil against each other, not to lie to each other, not to grumble against each other, to show hospitality to each other? I just these are not like ethereal things. We tend to think of them like in these very out there sort of ways. No, no. I mean, these are like practical things. Go and do them. You know, and and just just try. You could do a whole lot worse than just get a list of the one another's and just come out like oh, I'm going to next Sunday. I'm going to take the next one, and I'm just going to try to walk into church and I'm going to do it. Now, I mean, don't sue one another. It might be a little bit complicated to you know. Okay, that's that was easy. I, I got that one. Maybe start off with that one because that one's a pretty low bar to hit. You know, but practically Jack got that one done. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's like it's like some of them are not not too too complicated in that way, but just. Just like, how do I go practically do these things? And more yeah. often than not, more often than not, the biggest barrier is just walking up to somebody you don't know. Mm-hmm. Or walking up to somebody you do know with the intent of having a spiritual conversation, yeah. having a, like, how do I encourage you today? Mm-hmm. And walk up to someone that you're not necessarily comfortable walking yeah. up to. Yeah, yeah. It gets, and, and that speaks to the clicks thing that we were talking about earlier. I don't. Yeah. I don't think, by and large, most people do it on purpose. I don't. I don't think that we intend to kind of pocket into these little areas and avoid everybody else. Because to the people that are inside the group, it never feels like we're being standoffish. Oh, we're really friendly. Like we're open to somebody coming and joining us. Right. But open to somebody coming and joining us is different than leaving and going and joining and and approaching them. Right. You know, I would I would talk to the high schoolers a lot when I was doing youth ministry, especially the the force, which was our student leadership team. And I'd be like, look, part of your job is to die to self and not – I know you want to chat with your friends on Sunday nights because I know youth group is partially about that and you want to be around your friends and you want to encourage each other. But so does that new person that just walked in does have any friends. Yeah. Like you're, and you as a leader are called to go and approach that person. We are all called to that in the church. Like if you see somebody sitting off by themselves, go and talk to them. And they may give you a funny look and they may right. like, why are you talking to me? I don't want to talk to you. you know, like, and it may completely bomb. Right. And it, it may not, it may not, but you've been but still, you've, been you've still been obedient. Yeah, like you've still been, been obedient to what God's called you to do, regardless of how that person responds, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so easy to kind of be like, oh, well, they don't really need it. Ah, somebody else will talk to them. Ah, somebody else will know all the parts, caring and serving yeah. and being sympathetic with all the other parts. Like there is a reality that we all own a shared responsibility for each other in the mm-hmm. church. It's just it's not just the elders and pastors' responsibility sure. to care for everybody in the church. It's the body's responsibility to care for the body. Right. The elders have a role in there, equipping the saints for the works of ministry, Ephesians four. But the body is called to do this stuff. Yeah, we don't get us. We don't get to just sit in the stands. No, you know? no, no, no. We're like right there, there on the bench. There is no observation platform. Yeah. Right. Like I, I use an illustration uh, that I've talked to before. Right. Like. What do you notice on a cruise ship? There's a lot of things to distract, and there's a lot of activities to engage in. There's right. a lot of viewing platforms mm-hmm. and entertainment things and stuff like that. Battleships don't have any of that, right? Because it's war, right? You, you have the essentials. <laughs> right. It's like I'm no getting blue. that picture. Yeah, I'm, pi- I'm picturing a cruise ship and a battleship parked right next to each other in the ocean. Yes. You're looking at two very different ships. Yes, bingo. Like yeah. they, they don't put they don't put viewing platforms for for stopping no and looking at the sights on the battleship. No, 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 no. None of that stuff. <laughs> it's like go go do the mission. Go yeah. do the job. Like we have a job to do. Yeah, we've got a task. We've got something we're we're called to achieve. And that sort of a mindset is is really really critical, you know, really in changing is. our mindset from I'm here for me to I'm here for them. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 13. Yes. Paul, at the end of 
1 Corinthians 12 said, these are all great, but there's even something bigger coming. <laughs> yeah. And you're headed that way. Talk to us about Sunday. Yeah, it's been, it's like we've said, we've talked about it weeks and weeks and weeks. 13's coming. Like, um, there's so much in 13. Uh, but but I love his his mindset. Most people are familiar with the middle section. You know, love is patient, love is kind, mm-hmm. love is not envy and boast. That's, and we're going to talk through that. But like, there is a reality here that he is writing to help them understand th- they are of no value to the church, to the mission of God, if they are loveless. Mm-hmm. And I think that is critical for yeah. us to bear in mind because we sometimes tend to think, I mean, I think about the way we, we tend to hire, okay, we'll call it like sports coaches, right? This is pretty sure. pretty relevant for us yeah. as, as Nebraska, right? As a coach, their coaching prowess, or are you looking at their character mm-hmm. and the way they operate in their private life and the way they operate when they're on the sidelines and, and things like that? Well, and what Paul is saying here is, well, that may be the way the world operates. The way the church operates is that character and love is more important than your gifting. It trumps. It trumps it. Like, not because your gifting doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the gifting matters. That's why he starts with gifting in 12 and he comes back to gifting in 14. Mm -hmm. Because God has, I mean, these are manifestations of the spirit for the common good. Like, these are powerhouses to accomplish God's purposes in God's world. But you are going to undermine them every time if you operate in a loveless mentality. If you're like, well, yes. I'm a teacher, so I get to do what teachers do, and I'm not worried about loving anybody else. And I'm, I'm going to hammer and own. Just drive it. You know, I'm just going to pound the pulpit and do my thing. Right. Okay. Like, you're, you're undermining the very thing you claim to be wanting to yeah. accomplish when you're loveless. I, I, I love the imagery. Again, you know, the, Paul, Paul does such a good job here of, of building in these metaphors, you know, kind of like the body before. Like, if I... If I speak with the tongues of angels, right? Like, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or if a clanging cymbal. The tongues of angels, that in itself is yes. this huge thing that we can't even comprehend. It's like, it's unbelievable. And so he's speaking mm-hmm. to, and, and I think he uses some hyperbole here to be like, because I mean, when he talks later about like, if I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I mean, clearly he's saying like, if you were just the greatest, most gifted person who has ever lived in the whole world, you know, if you could have the faith so you could remove mountains, right? These are big pictures. These are big things. Yeah. But you're loveless. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that that is critical, again, in this conversation, because when it's about me, I'm going to exercise my gift for the glory I receive from the body, you know, for the praise that I would get from other people. And if it's invisible ministry, I'm not going to think twice about turning it down. Mm-hmm. And he says, Invisible ministry, unnoticed ministry, unseen, weaker in our approximation ministries are actually more honorable. To operate out of love with a servant's heart is exactly what Christ did. Like We are to model Christ and we're to operate the way Christ operates. We made it. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm so excited to hear you preach on it this Sunday. Are there any additional texts that we should read in, in companion text to 1 Corinthians 13? Or would you just recommend read it, read it again? And come come Sunday, ready to hear. Yeah, I, that's that's a really good question. Um, you know, obviously, uh, even the example of like Christ washing the disciples' feet in John thirteen would be a great a great passage to sure. read in preparation, thinking about kind of how did Christ exemplify this? Philippians two. As Where far did as, he elevate himself? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, did, and Philippians two has that same idea, right? It talks about mm-hmm. Christ coming down from heaven, yeah. right, condescending. Um, to live life here on Giving earth, to, to be a person. You know, I mean, that sort of idea is really critical. I, there's there's a, a text, I'm trying to find it here, just it all of a sudden, sudden struck me. 
Uh, yeah, here in Matthew 23, and it's interesting to note that this is a section of woes to the scribes and Pharisees, right? These were people that were not loving. <laughs> These are people that were gifted, able, you know, thought they were serving God, but doing it without love, right? And uh-huh. here in chapter 23, verse 11 and 12, Paul sa- or not Paul, but Jesus says this, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And just considering that in light of spiritual gifts, that that truth of the servant will be the greatest and the greatest will be servants, I mean, that inverted kingdom of Christ, I think would be something that would be worth dwelling on as we consider what love looks like in the church. Okay. Well, we'll see you on the flip side of 1 Corinthians 13. I will be here, Lord willing. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recaps.